Welcome back to the 4 for 4 football NFL team preview series. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Please follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. We continue to churn out a preview of each and every one of the 32 NFL teams, giving you the perspective of the team, projection schedules, and of course, fantasy implications. And today we have an expert on here for the Arizona Cardinals, a critical team that we have to take a look at that really has a variance in how they're going to go this year. Started strong last year, but then some things went off the rails second half, but they have talent. They're explosive and certainly are a threat here to make the Super Bowl. We bring in Bo Brack, host of the most entertaining Arizona Cardinals podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Bo Brack. Bo, it's a pleasure to have you on. How you doing? Mike, thanks for having me on. Excited to, I mean, what, 60 days away, start really talking and breaking down, previewing this season, especially this Arizona Cardinals team. It's had probably one of the more entertaining, drama-filled off-seasons of any team this off-season. Yeah, Bo, when I was putting the questions together, there's no struggle here to go to topics, so we can go through each one of them. Let's start with Kyler Murray, one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in the NFL when he's healthy MVP candidate, but he has slowed a little bit second half of the seasons when he gets those injuries and he can't run as much. And listen, I think he is a critical point for the Cardinals. As he goes, they go. They started 7-0 last year, but ended the regular season losing 4-5 or and, of course, lost to the Rams in the playoffs. But when he's healthy, they can beat anyone in the NFL. Is this something the Cardinals just sort of dismiss and figure he'll grow out of? Or is there a plan from what you're hearing that they really want to try to keep him healthy the whole season and make a run here, making the Super Bowl? No, I mean, you made some great points as far as Kyler Murray goes to start a season. Yeah, the last two seasons he's been in discussion for MVP. And then, you know, he suffers the ankle injury last year, sits out three games. Colt McCoy fills in admirably. He's like the quintessential backup quarterback. He's great. He goes two and one. Arizona Cardinals don't seem to miss a beat. But when Kyler Murray gets back, you know, he, he doesn't look like the same Kyler that we saw the first couple of weeks of the season, or he's just lighting up opposing defenses. You're right. He's, he doesn't have the same ability to kind of get out of the pocket and make plays with his legs. But one thing that people don't know, Kyler Murray doesn't like to run, but, you know, it's such a threat for opposing defenses that the Arizona Cardinals have to utilize Kyler Murray's legs more than they did at the end of last season. I mean, he didn't have really any uh, – he didn't have any red zone rushing attempts. I, I think he had one red zone rushing attempt in the last five games, which is just – Cliff Kingsbury guy is kind of on the hot seat a little bit he, he, despite his success so far. But Kyler Murray's got to be able to run the football in the red zone, even with James Conner. Where he fell off, though, is like – you also have to keep in mind that DeAndre Hopkins wasn't there down the stretch as well. DeAndre Hopkins was his number one red zone target. He was his number one wide receiver. Nobody stepped up. Despite Christian Kirk securing the bag this offseason, Christian Kirk had ample opportunities to be that top guy. He didn't make plays down the stretch. A.J. Green, I mean, at 33, 34 years old, I don't know what you're expecting out of him. He had a nice bounce back, 800 yards receiving. But, you know, Kyler Murray, I think, as far as, you know, how can they avoid the, the second-half slump, I think that's what the organization's just trying to figure out and diagnose. You know, as, as they go, Kyler goes. And as they've gone the last two, you know, Cliff Kingsbury since 2013 hasn't been able to finish the deal each and every year. They're, that's their main emphasis this year is, is finishing strong. So I don't know if they're going to try to come out of the gates a little bit slower than they did last year and make sure that they stay healthy for the stretch run. But that's something that you can't predict or, or even prepare for because injuries happen. They're inevitable in the NFL. So in his stature, it, it's one of those things you can't deal with, too, like is. The referees kind of – they call the game differently for Kyler. If you touch him, you get the, the yellow flag. But, you know, I, I don't know if there's a plan that you can put in place to make sure he stays healthy. But when he is and they're, you know, using his full bag of tricks, you're right, they're unbeatable. So it's a really a tough question to answer as far as how they can kind of remedy uh, Kyler Murray staying healthy and them avoiding, you know, a, a disastrous finish like they've had the last two seasons. And I think the key is the offensive line, critical to the team's success sure. for all the reasons you just mentioned. Arizona offensive line was middle of the pack last year in terms of adjusted sack rate. They were 15, 6.5%. But they didn't have a, a great – they didn't have a lot of success here in the running game, finished 26 in adjusted line yards. But as you mentioned, we'll get to a minute, James Conner still had a fantastic season. They made uh, one move in the offseason, swapped Max Garcia for Will Hernandez, came over from the Giants. Our own yeah. Justin Edwards here at 4 for 4 ranks them the 25th offensive line in the league. How do you project the front five here for Arizona? Look, I mean, the biggest question remaining this offseason, I think, you know, the, the Kyler extension is coming. 
is Rodney Hudson, their center, a guy that they acquired last offseason. He had a solid year for the Arizona Cardinals, struggled a little bit out of the gates. But when he was in the lineup, the Arizona Cardinals were, were very successful with him at center. And he was kind of the, the leader of that pack. Uh, they And they don't have a fallback plan. Like there isn't a center on the roster right now if Rodney Hudson decides that he's not playing in 2022. And it really looks like that's the case. It doesn't seem like number 61 is going to be uh, snapping the ball at Kyler Murray this season and in the future for the Arizona Cardinals. So, you know, is it going to be Justin Pugh sliding over? He took some snaps in minicamp for the Cardinals. It's like at his stage in his career, do you want him with a position change? And he's going to be the guy that's going to be, uh, you know, the, the, the second person kind of diagnosing defenses for the Arizona Cardinals on offense. I just don't know if that's right. And also it kind of weakens the rest of your line and guys are playing out of position. So, it is something that people should be very concerned about as far as them going this season. The only thing I'll say is even without Rodney Hudson, there's a ton of continuity on this offensive line. I think that's important with the offensive line. With One of their uh, more respected coaches is Sean Kugler. He's the O-line coach there. And you mentioned Will Hernandez. He was his head coach at UTEP. And when Will Hernandez had success and kind of made himself into a NFL draft darling where he ended up being you know, selected in the second round by the New York Giants, ended up kind of being a bust. He's, he, that success came under Sean Cooler. So they're hoping he can kind of tap into that a little bit and Will Hernandez can kind of prove that he was he he can play at this level. But that's that's a big if. DJ Humphreys is in a contract year. He was awful at the end of last season. He needs to bounce back. Josh Jones, a third-round pick from a couple seasons ago, started out strong last year. He's not going to start to the start the season, but he's a talented you know prospect that needs to develop uh, and be a part of, of, of the offensive line going forward. Hopefully he'll step up. But Man, it is it is very uh, it, as far as red flags for this this Arizona Cardinals team, and as you mentioned, where they struggled at the end of last season, and it, it is going to be tough if if that group can't play, you know, somewhere like they played last season. But that I think that would be a surprise to most people because you know when you look at the rankings, you you can't deny, you know, it's it, it's a unit that doesn't you know people can't really rely upon. You look at the backfield, certainly one of the big successes last year, James Conner. And mm -hmm. in the fantasy community, we were debating Bo all offseason last year, Chase Edmonds, James Conner, yeah. back and forth. The answer ended up being Conner. Now, Chase Edmonds, of course, in Miami. So we're looking here at Chase Edmonds. Darrell Williams comes over from Kansas City. Eno Benjamin still on the roster. This is a huge answer here for the fantasy community. Yeah. So is it going to be James Conner again in that same workload? Because, gosh, super successful last year. It's going to it's gonna have to be, but you have to understand about his workload is the Arizona Cardinals and he keep him on a pretty consistent snap count, and it, it can't be like 90%, 80% of the snaps. It's, it's a guy who's been off injured throughout his career. He played a career-high 15 games last year, and he was immensely successful, 15 rushing touchdowns. He had the three receiving touchdowns, 18 total tutties for James Conner. He was an absolute animal, and I think he's going to continue to get those goal line carries. I mean, that's his forte. And, and they're going to keep the ball out of number one's hands and keep him fresh. That's part of that solution. Uh, but as far as, you know, getting, you know, the, the, the carries and putting up yardage and stuff like that, I don't think that it's going to be kind of uh, – it's going to be Daryl Williams, I think, is RB2 there. Play that Chase Edmonds role, a guy who had nine yards per reception last year with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it kind of the, it's like the Spider-Man, Spider-Man meme, him and Chase Edmonds pointing at each other. They're very similar in what they do. I think he could fill right in, step right in. And then Eno Benjamin, who Cliff Kingsbury said, has looked like RB1 all offseason. His first full offseason as a pro since being drafted in the seventh round by, at Arizona State. He, he has, uh, you know, pretty high expectations for, for Eno. I think he's going to be as far as behind James Conner, as far as running, picking up rushing yards. That's going to be Eno Benjamin, where Daryl Williams will be more of a third down receiving back. That's great insight. And going to wide receiver, this is an interesting position here for Arizona. Christian Kirk, you mentioned now in Jacksonville. Here comes Marquise Brown, Oklahoma connection with Kyler Murray. DeAndre Hopkins, of course, one of the best receivers in the league. He's out six games for the PED violation, and he turned 30 years old. We keep hearing now social media. I'm on the East Coast. Rondell Moore is going to take a big step forward. No. He's going to be involved more. And Zach Ertz really successful coming over, sort of rejuvenate his career from Philadelphia to Arizona. Talk about this receiving group here with the Cardinals this year and how you think it's going to shake out. Yeah, I mean, I think they have enough to survive the six games without Nook. I mean, he's uh, 
that's going to be the biggest thing is like, what's he going to look like after, after six weeks, you know, he's coming off surgery on his, on his knee. He had a, he had the hamstring injury last year too. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be a big question mark. He certainly can answer a lot of doubters. He's, he's got the ability to do it. Uh, you know, how much longer can he play at the high level that we're expected D hop to play at? But as far as the rest of the group, like I think the Hollywood Brown, I, I know they paid a premium for Holly Brown, Hollywood Brown with the first round pick. They sent the 23rd overall pick, but they they kept their quarterback happy. They reunited him with a guy that he's had a ton of success with in his single season at Oklahoma, 1,300 yards. He was his number one threat, even over C.D. Lamb, who was in that same offense. I think that Hollywood Brown coming over from a run-heavy offense to this pass, you know, heavy spread from Cliff Kingsbury, the air raid, I think it's going to be a great – he's going to have a career year. Hollywood Brown is going to, I think, thrive – he had a thousand yards for the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley at the end of the season throwing him passes. So I think he's it's it's going to it's going to be a good season for him. AJ Green is a, is a sneaky guy that I think is going to be a big part of this offense early on. I don't know what it's going to look like at the end. Uh, Rondell Moore uh, question mark. You know you, you you can everybody looks great in shorts at this time of year. You see him in many camp. He's catching passes and stuff, but they just didn't run him in any routes you know, beyond the line of scrimmage. So we don't really know what Rondell Moore looks like, you know, running in the slot. I mean, Christian Kirk was second in slot yardage uh, behind Cooper Cup last year with like over 500 yards. Like they just expect him to snap right in there and, and pick up where Kirk left off. I don't know. I think that might be a little bit naive. Uh, and I would temper my expectations as, Ronda, as for Rondell Moore. He really hasn't played at a high level since, you know, 2018. It's been a long time. He's either battled injuries or, been misutilized like I felt like the the Arizona Cardinals he felt like he was misutilized last season at the end of the year um it's it's a big question mark I I don't know it it would have to be he's a big time sleeper that I would I would wait like in most fantasy drafts to pick up because I don't know if you you he could come out of the gates and be slow because even without DeAndre Hopkins it's still a very crowded place it's been Ertz they they took a second round pick uh tight end out of Colorado State and Trey McBride who's also going to probably vie for some some passes headed his direction. So I just don't know if there's enough footballs to go around for Rondell Moore to necessarily make an impact. But Hollywood Brown, Zach Ertz, those are the guys that you're going to really uh, be able to kind of key in on in the first six weeks without DeAndre Hopkins. Let's take a look at the defense. Very strong last year. Six overall in DVOA per football outsiders. Should be more of the same, and that's critical here, Bo, in the division. Rams and Niners, of course, battling down the stretch. Certainly one of the, the strong pieces here, this Arizona team. Yeah, absolutely, and it's going to have to be. I mean, they're taking on the division, the NFC West, as you mentioned, the AFC West. They play them this year, so it's just kind of a murderer's row uh, schedule. It's a kind of a gauntlet schedule, so they're going to have to be. No Chandler Jones. You lose that sack production, but it looks like they're kind of flooding the position with numbers. It's Marcus Golden. It's J.J. Watt. Zach Gallon's a guy who's going to be playing in a contract year that kind of plays more on the inside of that defensive line, and then they've got a couple third-round picks that they utilize that'll be in that rotational role and pretty focused on what they're going to be able to do. And Cameron Thomas out of San Diego state and, and my Jay Sanders out of Cincinnati, like if, if they're going and getting in the game and there's like pretty much just get after the quarterback, that's pretty simple. Um, what's really going to be key for this defense though, Mike is, is that the young linebackers like Isaiah Simmons going into his third season, I think he proved he belonged last year. He could play at the NFL level, struggled kind of slumped at the end of the season, like most of the team did, but he proved that he can, do the things that you want, you know, that versatile player that he is to do each and every Sunday. And then Zayvon Collins, the guy they used the 16th overall pick on in 2021, like he has to do the same thing Isaiah did last year and prove he belongs. Like he played around 35% of the snaps last year. They have a Vance Joseph DC says he's expecting big things, but then we're hearing, you know, Zayvon Collins saying his press conference, like I might not be playing Mike linebacker. I might not be the one making the calls out there. It's like, well, that's what they draft you to do. We're kind of concerned, like, why aren't you? How are you not up to speed now? So Zayvon Collins is, is another wild card, but if he can kind of step his game up, it will transform what they can do defensively and kind of get back to where they were last year. Secondary is a big question mark, at least at the cornerback room. Byron Murphy contract year, he proved that he could play outside a little bit, but he's more kind of set for the inside, you know, slot corner position. Marco Wilson, the stats are horrible on Marco, but I think he'll be fine in the second season. Probably will bring back a guy like Robert Alford. He still hasn't been signed. I think he's going to come back. He played very well before he got injured last year. 
Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson, those are like the kind of guys you can really rely upon on the back end of that defense. I think one of the best safety duos in the NFL, Jalen Thompson is one of the best kept secrets in the NFL contract year for him. He's, he can do it all. He reminds me of Adrian Wilson who played here at a high level for a long time, tackling machine, can lay the wood, pick off a couple passes. He's very exciting to couple with Buda Baker. So it's, you know, they're going to have to make up for the lost production, but you know, Chandler Jones had five sacks in in the season opener last year. And then he only had like five more after that. So wasn't that great. And I don't think you can match the the money that the Raiders gave him. So uh, we'll see. They're, they're going to have to really rely on some guys that uh, are very well known to hope bolster and boost those sack numbers and get after that quarterback to help out this this defense with a lot of kind of question marks. Great stuff, Bo. Last question, then we'll get you out of here. Cardinal schedule and a projection. Ninth hardest schedule per Vegas opposing projected win totals. Cardinals win total in Vegas, eight and a half. Little low for a team that started seven and zero last year. How do you see the schedule and projection this year for the Cardinals in 2022? Yeah, I mean, it, coming out of the gates, Evan, the Chiefs, and I know the Chiefs, you know, they're going kind of through a makeover. No Tyree Kill. That offense has had a couple different changes and, and still kind of figuring out things with, uh, you know, how is Patrick Mahomes going to deal with Is he going to be able to deal with it like Tom Brady did and just continue to be successful? What's, what's he look like, you know, in the year with a pick in the playoffs? You know, it's, but Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes 4-0 in season openers, that's a tough, you know, get there. And then you go to a home opener in Vegas week two against Max Crosby and, and, uh, and, and Chandler Jones and a team that has high expectations after a playoff year. It's, and the, the start is going to be tough, especially at DeAndre Hopkins. But then, you know, they start to play from like week five to like week nine. I think they have the ability to potentially stack some wins. I think eight and a half, I would probably take the over. And I haven't exactly been like very complimentary in this team, but if Kyler Murray can play at the level that we think Kyler Murray can play at, he he can elevate this team and get them into the win column uh, way more than in, in the loss column. And it it, it, it it takes the full thing. He's going to get an extension. He's going to get the mega million dollar extension before the season. And he's going to have those expectations now to play like the franchise quarterback that he is. And uh, I think that's going to be enough to elevate this team. They've got enough talent to surround him with. There's still holes all over the place, but they can compensate it with having a player of that ability of, of Kyler Murray. So I would say, you know, 10, 10 wins is probably where I'd comfortably put them. They're, play, they're favored in seven games right now. I think that they can win as dogs too. Uh, so approaching 10 wins is where I could comfortably say this team will kind yeah. of hover around. Yeah, and it's certainly going to be exciting. You mentioned that schedule. They start right away, Kansas City, Vegas, then the Rams. Uh, You have some games later in the season, New England, at Denver, Tampa Bay, and, of course, you end with at San Francisco. So uh, it's going to be real exciting, and this has a lot of pieces. There's a lot of weapons, Bo, on this team on both sides of the football. Folks, Bo Brack does a fantastic job here. Follow him on Twitter, at Bo Brack, easiest Twitter handle around. Host of the most entertaining Arizona Cardinals podcast there, at Phoenix underscore Cardinals. Bo, thank you so much for a few minutes, man. We'll catch up during the season. Cardinals, big expectations. Kyler's going to get signed, and then they got to produce. So we're going to be watching for sure. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. Love the uh, Bo Jackson jersey in the background, man. Thank you. Thank you. very important team that is on the upswing today, the Philadelphia Eagles. And to cover the Eagles, we brought in the expert, Bull Wolf. Bull covers the Philadelphia Eagles for the Athletic Philadelphia. Follow him on Twitter at Bo underscore Wolf, W-L-L-F. Bo, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Mike. So let's start at the beginning, Bo. Who are we going to see this year at quarterback? Who is the real Jalen Hurts? Is he a franchise quarterback that's going to marry the passing proficiency with the obvious dynamic rushing ability and someone who produced seven consecutive fantasy QB 10 or better games to start the season last year? Or is he a running quarterback who's going to have trouble completing the passes over 59% of his passes and through one or or fewer touchdown passes in four of the last five games he had fans at some point, maybe not in Philadelphia or maybe so, calling for Gardner Minshew at one point. So who is the real Jalen Hurts and who are we going to see this year in 2022? I think if I had the the answer to that, uh, you know, I, they should just make me general manager of the Eagles. <laughs> I, but that is that is the million dollar question uh, for the Eagles this season. The multi-million dollar question, because um, this is Jalen Hurts' opportunity to take this job 
for the long term. And, you know, I'm, I know that we will get to A.J. Brown, but the A.J. Brown acquisition, you know, changes the face of the offense, completely changes what they can do. Uh, to add him to the top of their weaponry means that Devontae Smith gets a little bit less attention as, as a sort of a force-fed number one. Dallas Goddard has a little bit more room to operate. Quez Watkins on the outside is, is a guy who can take the top off of a defense. And that also means less attention against Jalen Hurts' running ability. Um, so, I mean, the, the AJ, A.J. Brown acquisition changes the upside of this offense so much and is, is such a, a big deal for Jalen Hurts. I don't know exactly what it's going to mean for you know his, his running ability week to week. I think there are going to be weeks when he doesn't run as much as he did last season. I, I think if you're a fantasy owner, the most important thing about uh, th this Eagles season upcoming with Jalen Hurts is that once again, like it was last year, it's a very easy schedule. And, and part of the reason is because they're in the NFC East, but also the teams are playing outside of the division. It's pretty easy. I, I think as long as Jalen Hurts stays healthy, I would expect that he's still going to be a better fantasy quarterback than he is a real-life quarterback. Folks, already Bo has been the best reporter segue person that we've had because he touched on every single one of my questions i'm going to go to the offensive line first and then we'll touch on all those points you just mentioned the eagles o-line here justin edwards at four for four football ranked the eagles number one look going into the season jeff stoutland nine years with the team the coach he's done a fantastic job they're aging but they're still dominant bo jordan mylotta jack driscoll lane johnson andre dillard they have a four-deep position at tackle, so their, de their depth is there in case there's an injury. They also have one of the top three centers. They drafted Cam Jurgens as the eventual replacement. Talk about this O-line because it is a huge weapon and advantage against any team in the NFL. I think that's exactly right, and, and I, th I don't think it's a stretch to say that it's the best offensive line in the NFL. I think you could make a case that it's like if you made the the backup offensive line, their top five backups, it's probably starting caliber, or at least better than some starting offensive lines across the league. I think I think this is going to be to some degree like the, the year of Jordan Mailata. I think he's going to introduce himself as an all pro caliber or pro bowl caliber left tackle. I think he played at that level last year, but he's so young um, and is is so powerful, I think. There's there's still upside left in, in what he can do. And you pair that with, you know, Jason Kelsey, who is still one of the best centers in the league as long as he stays healthy. Lane Johnson, who's one of the best right tackles in the league as long as he stays healthy. The Eagles think they sort of found something with Landon Dickerson and Jordan Mailata paired together on the left side last year. He started as replacing Isaac Sayamalo at right guard and then moved to left guard later in the season. And the Eagles sort of like what they found there. It's a bit of a of a budding bromance. Those two guys seem to get along well together. And in terms of just like formidability, it's it's as big uh, a tandem of left, left tackle, left guard as you're going to see. And then there's a bit of a competition at, at right guard. I think Isaac Sayamalo is the the front runner heading into training camp. Jack Driscoll, who you mentioned, is going to be competing there as well. But they also have, you know, Andre Dillard, who has been a disappointment as a first round pick, but is a solid left tackle when he's on the field. And if, you know, if, if Lane Johnson gets hurt, then Dillard goes to left tackle and Jordan Mailata has the flexibility to move over. I think they're very deep. You know, Jeff Stoutland, their offensive line coach, gets a lot of credit for that. But uh, the, the players themselves deserve credit as well. And, and as for Cam Jurgens, their second round pick, it's an interesting dynamic because Jason Kelsey sort of helped scout the centers. And this is the guy that uh, over the past couple of years he thought looked the most like him. Uh, we'll see if it, hopefully that for the Eagles, that means that it'll be later than than sooner that Jurgens comes in. But he there's a chance that he'll compete for that right guard job. The Eagles have said he'll he'll be you know, like cross training. But Stoutland's philosophy in the past has always been with rookies for them to to become experts at one position before cross training. So my guess is that he will not be involved unless Kelsey gets hurt. There is a chasm of a difference between our view of the running back position in fantasy and what I think NFL coaches think. No better example than here in Philadelphia. I'm sure you saw that Miles Sanders interview on social media where he jokingly made a, a, a comment, listen, don't draft me in fantasy because I'm not getting the consistent touches. Certainly talented running back. Total only a 52.2% snap share last year. 12 games, no touchdowns. Is this just a philosophical belief with Nick Sirianni? Can he creep up to 60% this year behind a tremendous offensive line? Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, Kennedy Brooks, of course, signed. What do you see here with the touches in the backfield? 
I think there is more upside for for Sanders in this offense than than he showed last year. Obviously, the touchdowns. I mean, just regression wise, you would imagine he's going to get into the end zone definitely more than zero times, which he did last year. But there's no. I mean, Jordan Howard, uh, who who took a bunch of those snaps last year and uh, was very productive for the Eagles. Uh, when he did get the ball and Sanders was hurt, he has not been re-signed yet. I think there's a chance that the Eagles still do bring him back. I, I feel like as long as Harry Roseman's in charge, he's always going to be potentially bringing back uh, Jordan Howard. But I, I think that uh, Sanders also, keep in mind, is is entering the final year of his rookie contract. And so uh, I think for both player and team, they're both incentivized to give him the ball a little bit more. I think Sanders will want the ball more so that he has – uh, you know, a, a better contract year. And I think the Eagles, if they're not going to re-sign Sanders, they might as well, you know, use up the the tires this year when when they're uh, not going to be on the hook for his production next year if, if he has a lot of touches. So I think there is more upside in Miles Sanders, but I, I do sort of think that, like, relative to the rest of the fantasy landscape, he's going to be less reliable on, on a week-to-week basis just because there are, there are so many other weapons. You talked about the wide receivers. Devonta Smith, strong first season, now joined by dominant wide receiver one A.J. Brown. Talented, big, fast, can get in the end zone, no problem. Dallas Goddard, certainly a developing tight end, someone that we love in fantasy that can be a top eight tight end, even higher here in the fantasy landscape. Really only question, I guess, and you mentioned it, Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins, Zach Pascal, who's getting that third spot? But I would think here, Bo, Philadelphia fans are very excited about the offensive weapons in the passing game. I think so. Um, to, to answer the first question, to me, it's it's Quez Watkins, who I think had an underrated uh, year last year. Like if I asked you or just, the, you know, the, the average fantasy player, how many receiving yards Quez Watkins had last year? I don't think anybody is or most people are not guessing that it was like almost 700 yards. Um, he was he was much more productive than, than people give him credit for. I think part of that is he he's a big play guy. He's he's much more of a, you know, a best ball type. Uh, guy than than a week to week starter. You, you, you don't know when he's going to pop, but but he is going to pop. Uh, Jalen Rager, I think, is you know it's it's more likely that he doesn't make the team than it is that he becomes a reliable fantasy contributor. Um, I think his his job is to just try to make the roster at this point. Pascal is interesting. Um, you know, for people who don't follow the Eagles closely, he obviously comes from the Colts, and Zach Pascal has always been like Nick Sirianni's guy when Sirianni was. Uh, the offensive coordinator with the Colts, Pascal, was like his favorite guy. He said that he he wants his sons to play like Zach Pascal because he makes the most of his talent. Pascal signed with the Eagles in part because it meant reuniting with Sirianni. I think that he is more here to do a lot of the dirty work and, and uh, you know, maybe spell the likes of Devontae Smith and, and A.J. Brown and, and Quez Watkins throughout games to keep those guys fresh throughout the season. I don't think he's going to be particularly relevant fantasy wise. And then for the second part of your question, just how excited are Eagles fans? I think, I think they're very excited. I mean, the Eagles uh, are, you know, Eagles fans are sort of wide receiver obsessed and, and Nick Sirianni made a joke earlier in the off season. Like he doesn't understand he's a wide receivers coach and he's not as obsessed with wide receivers as Eagles fans are. It turns out that that was just sort of a, a smokescreen because the Eagles tried to trade for Calvin Ridley. They tried to sign uh, Allen Robinson. They were involved in some other guys, and then they make the big deal for AJ Brown. So I think I think they are as obsessed internally as Eagles fans are too. But yeah, AJ Brown, the Eagles have not had a player uh, of his caliber at least um, at, probably since early Deshaun Jackson. And if you want to go all the way back to To, you could do that as well. Yeah, great, great point. And you want to surround Jalen Hurts with weapons, no doubt. Let's look at the defense. Struggled last year, dropping from 15th in DVOA per football outsiders to 25th. How does it look this season? Because this is a team, we'll get to our last question, really has aspirations, winning the division, going further. There's a lot of variance with this Eagles team. Defense has to be a little more solid. How do you see it this year? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, everybody talks about how this is the year we're going to find out whether Jalen Hurts is the quarterback the Eagles have given him everything he needs now they can make a decision i think there's a, a parallel to be drawn to jonathan gannon the defensive coordinator who was you know a hot commodity in terms of head coaching interviews last offseason but but you talked about it you know 25th in dvoa last year the second worst team in terms of sacks and sack rate and their talent was better than that last year i, th- I think Philadelphia, like the DNA of Eagles fans, wants sort of an aggressive defense, and that is not Gannon's style. His 
his style is to you know elip- try to eliminate big plays make uh, opposing offenses string together drives and, and buckle up in the red zone. The big problem last year was that they were, they were bad in the red zone. Uh, they were the second worst team or third worst team in, in red zone defense last year. And you would expect that that sort of regresses to the mean, but they spent all off season giving Jonathan Gannon everything that you think that he would need, you know, uh, up front, they add a pass rusher in Hassan Reddick, who should help their anemic sack rate. They add Jordan Davis uh, in the first round, who can plug up the middle, gives them a great rotation of four defensive tackles. They want to be able to be a little bit more flexible from from 3-4 to 4-3, more than they were able to be last year. I think that changes that. At linebacker, they sign Kaiser White from uh, from the Chargers and draft Nicobe Dean in the third round. That gives them on paper what is as good of a linebacking group, which is a, a very low bar for Eagles fans, but as good of a group as they've had in recent years. And then at corner, they, they pair James Bradbury with Darius Slay, which is, which is a, an upgrade on the other side. So they've upgraded at every level of the defense. If they are not a top, you know, 12 at least uh, DVOA defense, I think it would be a major disappointment internally given the investments they've made. Great information, Bo. This has been fantastic. One more question. We'll get you out of here. Schedule you talked about. Second easiest schedule overall per Vegas opposing projected win totals. Warren Sharp does great work there. Eagles right behind the Giants in the division who actually rate as the easiest. The win total is nine and a half. It's juiced to the over. Also plus 165 to win the NFC East. And they have gained ground on a Dallas team that was looked as the early favorite. But here come the Eagles now. Big year for Philadelphia here. Jalen Hurts, pivotal, has the weapons, defense needs to be better, Miles Sanders, everything we talked about. How do you see the schedule? How do you see the season? You know, it's it's uh it's interesting. Like the contrarian in me uh is is fighting away because earlier in the offseason, I, I thought people were not as high uh, on the Eagles as they should have been. I thought they should be, you know, considered right there with Dallas for uh for winning the division. I thought I I think I had them at eleven wins. Um and now everybody seems to be getting excited about the Eagles. It's turning it's turning a little bit too much. And so you know, it's just it, it makes me itchy. I like I feel like it's not going to go as well <laughs> right, as people right. are now thinking it's going to be. But I, I still have them at, at 11 wins uh, just given how easy the schedule is. Um, and I think there's a, a real chance that they could they could win this division. You know, it's it's not as simple as saying, you know, the Cowboys were two games better last year and the Eagles got better this offseason and the Cowboys got worse. But it, that is true. And, you know, the Cowboys still have the best quarterback in the division. But I, I think that. um I think Eagles fans and and internally the Eagles organization would be would be disappointed if this team doesn't win at least 10 games. Yeah, I agree and there's a lot of potential, a lot of athleticism and certainly Eagles fans love their team, they're diehards. We will hear about it one way or another. Folks, Bull Wolf does fantastic work for the Athletic Philadelphia. Must follow on Twitter at Bo underscore Wolf W U L F. Bo, thank you so much for a few minutes here in the team preview series. Eagles are a huge fantasy football team that we're involved in, and they're going to make some noise here in the regular season and possibly the playoffs as well. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Mike. And I got to give you a shout out for the the Bo Jackson jersey behind you. I love a Bo Jackson. I got that one myself. You're excellent. Very good. Thanks, Mike. Truly special guest who's going to give us insight on all things Los Angeles. We have Gilbert Manzano, who was covering the Chargers and is now covering the Rams in the NFL for the OG, OC Register, LA Daily News, and SoCal News Group. He's also the co-host of the Compass OTB podcast. Follow him on Twitter at gmanzano24. He is going to talk Chargers and Rams. Gilbert, thanks to you so much for joining us. You're switching jobs and you're here in 4 for 4. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well, Mike. Kind of busy period of my life. I guess I'm doing double duty right now, all LA football teams. Uh, spent the last four years covering the Chargers. It was a great time, a great ride. A lot of memories from Philip Rivers to Justin Herbert, uh, Anthony Lynn to Brandon Staley. But I'm ready for the new chapter. I'm not saying I'm Kevin Durant, but I, got, I need something new. Uh, and, uh, you know, you know, I guess it is it is a winning team, you know, so the Rams uh, Super Bowl team. So it's uh, I'm, I'm going to learn something new, uh, but I'm eager and ready and uh, I'm going to try to give the best of both worlds right now. Well, that's great. You're staying local, which is fantastic. So let us help close the door on your prior team first before we get to the new one. Start here with the Chargers. You know them well. Rough way, Gilbert, to end the season last year. Three straight seasons of a win improvement, though, up to nine and eight. Certainly looks like a team on the rise that is a Super Bowl contender. I'm curious what you heard from fans about Brandon Staley. I love him. 
I love that he goes forward on fourth down, sort of a new way to look at things. But I would think maybe there's still some sour grapes from the way it ended last year with the tie that could have happened with the Raiders. Talk about Staley here and how he's relating to the fan base out in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, the the way that uh you know or the the, the public reaction for Brandon Staley that kind of it changed throughout the year. I could I could spend an hour on it. Uh, he, he came from the, the 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 boy genius. Who's this guy that you know has a different feel? He, he's attacking things. Uh, you know he's honest and and he really knows the, the game of football analytics. His new age like the analytics crew loved him. Fantasy football loved him. And then he started going for it on fourth down. And and, and it was cool. It was, it was fresh. You know you know people like it. And then. It started costing the Chargers primetime games, uh, Kansas City uh, at SoFi Stadium, the Raiders, like you mentioned, in Las Vegas, uh, going for it on fourth down at a, at a, at a high rapid uh, rate cost them playoff spot. Uh, but in the, in the early part of the year, those fourth downs were, were they, they were getting converted. They were winning games like at Arrowhead Stadium, uh, you know, against the Chiefs in, I think, week, week two or week three. Uh, so to get to that point, to be in a playoff contention, was because of, of the fourth downs. But to kind of close it out and get a berth, that uh, bit them. So I could tell, I could, I could tell from from the national media, they did not like that approach at all. The fans were a little mixed. People are still, you know, bitter and angry about Brandon Staley being aggressive. But for the most part, the fan base still enjoys Brandon Staley. They 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 adore him and they and they like what he did last year. Like you mentioned, Mike, being a team on the rise. Uh, that was a big step, especially for for having a young quarterback like Justin Herbert. Uh, all you want to do is get better every year, and eventually for them, hopefully they get to the playoffs. Yeah, and Herbert is one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm old enough, Gilbert, to remember when there was the Tua-Herbert debate there during NFL draft night. That's been put to rest. One of the most prolific passing attacks, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams just signed that huge contract. They still have Josh Palmer, Jalen Guyton. Now Gerald Everett joins the team, sort of reunited with Staley. Do you think it's the same pecking order this year with Allen and Williams? Is there going to be like a third tenor? And if so, who who is it going to be? Could it be Everett? Yeah, you know, that's the on the first part, you know, I'm, I'm curious about the Mike Williams uh, role. Uh, he had a great breakout year, especially from fantasy football standpoint. Uh, got paid for it, three years, $60 million. Uh, and he finally put it together. And, and the Chargers, you know, love Mike Williams. Uh, I know a lot of people on the outside were mixed about him because of injuries. The numbers are a little shaky, but when it came to the fourth quarter, you know, he was lights out. But he finally put it together, uh, and he's younger than the the guy all reliable, Keenan Allen, the five-time Pro Bowler consecutively, by the way. So Keenan Allen, you know, he's still young, 30 years old. Uh, he's still a guy who's going to get the targets. But, you know, I think now Mike Williams will catch up a little more in, in terms of the – the. I think – now I think about Mike Williams had more yards than Keenan Allen last year. So that's something there. But the targets and the catches, I think they still go to Keenan Allen. Uh, but if, if you want to kind of assess it overall, touchdowns, yardage, uh, yak, all that, uh, I think Mike Williams might be the, the top guy eventually. I, th I think it's still Ken Allen's, you know, number one spot. But when it's the fourth quarter, crunch time, and you, you want to get aggressive, Justin Herbert is always going to 81. So maybe a little a closer gap there between Keenan and Mike. Uh, and definitely a big distance at number three. Uh, but I'm going to go go and put it in my chips with Josh Palmer. Uh the bad thing about Josh Palmer is that he's not a burner, and they need a burner on this receiving corp. So um, maybe Jalen Guiding could get a couple, you know, deep bombs. Like the thing with Jalen Guiding, he's always in the highlight reel for Justin Herbert because he's catching bombs. But it, it's it's a small sample size. He's not really contributing consistently. But Josh Palmer, he looks like Keenan Allen. He looks like like Mike Williams. He's kind of like a blend of of both with size and and being able to play uh, close to the line of scrimmage. But uh, in terms of the tight end position, Gerald Everett, I think a distant fourth. I'm not too sure how they're going to treat the tight end position. A year ago, it, it was pretty much absent, but that's because Jared Cook, Jared Cook couldn't really find a groove with the offense. So uh, I think Gerald Everett would be more involved with the scheme. Uh, but when you, like I mentioned, the names, Keen Allen, Mike Williams, uh, and then even Austin Eckler, a guy uh, running back could play outside the backfield. So a lot of mouths to feed with Justin Herbert, uh, but that would be my pecking order for right now. Excellent call. Uh, Keenan Allen, 1,138 yards. Mike Williams, 1,146 yards. And the big difference, the receiving touchdowns, Williams has nine, so he's really grown into that red zone target. You mentioned Austin Eckler. Let's turn to the backfield there. 
versatile, explosive, great number two in running back fantasy points per game. He had 70 receptions. People were wondering, Gilbert, if he could handle the workload. He proved them wrong, that he certainly could, because he was top 10 in snap share. Do you think it's more of the same this year with Eckler, and who's going to be that number two to sort of spell him, and maybe if he gets injured, come in and step into a lead role? Yeah, this is a tough one to kind of answer because people get scared when I say I think his uh, snaps and his carries will go down, but I still kind of ex- expect the same kind of production and being efficient. Maybe not 20 total touchdowns. That was kind of a crazy number that came out of nowhere. Uh, but this guy's always proved it from you know when he got his chance in 2017. He's going to get you receiving touchdowns, and, and he's strong enough to get you goal line touchdowns. He proved it last year. I think it was 13 uh, or it was eight. It was 12 and 8, 12 rushing touchdowns and 8 receiving. So uh, this guy's dynamic two-way player. Uh, but he doesn't have the big body. He's he's five nine, one eighty five, and he's always telling us, you know, the reporters, like, you know, my body hurts. I, this toe is is wearing on me. I can't last in this league without somebody helping me out. So he's pushing for help. The Chargers are trying to give him help. The last three years, they've drafted a running back from Joshua Kelly, Larry Roundtree, to Isaiah Isaiah Spiller. Uh, but people who want to draft Austin Eckler or, or who already did in the first round, don't worry. This guy is so efficient. I still remember that game in Jacksonville in 2019 where he had like 12 touches and he had 100 rushing yards and 100 receiving. So this guy, whenever he gets the ball, he's going to make something happen. Uh, and maybe it will be better to be you know fresh for, for kind of a long season for him because uh, in 2020, the, the injuries caught up to him. He got it back, uh, his rhythm in 2021, but uh, he needs help. He's not going to be a, a Derrick Henry or, or, or Dalvin Cook, uh, but he's so explosive and dynamic that, you know, Maybe he's not on the Christian McCaffrey kind of uh, level, but he's up there with, with the Camaros too. So uh, definitely don't worry about uh, Austin Eckler if you don't see 20 carries per game. You know, I heard a rumor on social media that Joshua Kelly is a possible cut candidate because, of course, they took Spiller, who looks fantastic. And Larry Roundtree did some nice things uh, last year. Do you think Kelly is in danger? And this could be you know, on the depth chart. They list Spiller second. But, of course, that's arbitrary here. Who do you think will be number two when the season starts? Yeah, I think it's a possibility with Joshua Kelly. Uh, you know, he, he, he could be, you know, when, when the 53 man roster is, is being completed, he could be left on the outside looking in. Uh, because, you know, the biggest thing for him, he wasn't part of this coaching. The coaching staff didn't draft him. This, uh, Brandon Staley's crew did not draft Joshua Kelly. That was Anthony and Lynn. Anthony and Lynn loved Joshua Kelly, and he did well his rookie year, uh, 2020. Uh, but then he had a couple of fumbles, and, and then he lost kind of confidence, and, and then he couldn't figure out his assignments. He couldn't. Uh, be a good pass protector for, for Justin Herbert, and he lost his role. Uh, so if he wants to figure, he's a very talented running back, but if he figures out uh, the confidence issue and how to protect the Herbert, he's going to get his his uh, his touches and give it a shot. So, uh, But the other thing, too, is Larry Roundtree. He didn't prove much last year as a rookie. The same problem as Joshua Kelly. He couldn't protect. Uh, he didn't know his assignment. He was missing easy holes. Uh, I call it easy, but I'm not on the field. But when you watch the tape, there's some holes there, and he, he wasn't going through them. And, and these two guys were drafted to kind of replace Melvin Gordon. Obviously, Melvin Gordon is a very talented running back, but they were supposed to be the short yardage running back to help out Austin Eckler because he doesn't have the body for that. And then he had to do, take all the carries, and that's why he was you know, saying, I need some help here. So uh, those two guys, I'm unsure of. I haven't seen much from them. Uh, Larry Roundtree had one good game last year. The first game of the year, he was showing that he was explosive. Uh, he could read, uh, good vision. And then it kind of went away. So I don't know about that. So if it's down to three guys, it could be an opening for Kelly uh, uh, or, or Roundtree. They got they got they got a battle. I don't. It's kind of tough to have four running backs. I've seen it before though with the Chargers. Uh, but when you're in fantasy football, you don't want the fourth running back on the depth chart. So who cares about that? Uh, but number two, uh, Isaiah Spiller. Uh, there's high hopes for him. He's a fourth round draft pick from a Texas A&M. Uh, they're saying he's ready to go now because he played in Jimbo Fisher's offense, which is kind of pro-ready. Uh, back-to-back 1,000-yard rushing seasons, uh, show versatility with the hands, uh, being able to catch at the backfield. So there's there's really high hopes that maybe third time is a charm uh, with Isaiah Spiller. And I think guys like Dan Jeremiah had him as a third running back in the draft, and to be available at fourth was good for the Chargers, good value there. Uh, but I, it's always a debate with value and running backs there, uh, you know, outside of fantasy football. Uh, but Isaiah Spiller is going to get his carries and get his cracks. So you want to take a chance on him just because you for sure know he's going to be involved. Go ahead and maybe draft him. Uh, but again, nothing's guaranteed. And Brandon Staley is going to try to find the hot hand to help out Austin Eckler. Uh, but obviously right now, my money's on Spiller to, to figure that out.
Let's look at the defense. Uh, 26 last year, I would think a little bit of a disappointment when uh, Brandon Staley, as your head coach, finished 23rd in yards allowed and 29th in points allowed per game. I would think, Gilbert, there would be a big improvement here with Staley as coach entering his second year. Yeah, that was kind of the biggest surprise of Brandon Staley last year. Uh, you know, he was called the defensive guru from the Rams. Uh, he was uh, the defensive coordinator for the Rams for one year, and they were the number one ranked uh, defense. Obviously, he had Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and those guys. Uh, but he had Derwin James and Joey Bosa with the Chargers. And these two guys together are, are rarely that together. They're, they're, they're not healthy all the time. And they finally were last year. And the numbers are bad. And, and, and it was kind of a head-scratching thing for, for, a, for a defensive background coach and Staley and having two studs like that. But obviously, the NFL... You need more than just two guys. You need depth. You, you need to have reliable rotations. And 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 the, the biggest thing was the interior, the defensive line. Uh, obviously, they did a lot of great things in the offseason by by uh, you know adding in the trade Khalil Mack, a great ed, edge rusher, one of the best of the last ten years to help out Joey Bosa, which is going to be big. Uh, J.C. Jackson, one of the top uh, top cover men in the NFL, was a big free agent addition. He's going to help out Derwin James. Uh, in the back end, so Durant could kind of move around and create more explosive plays at the line of scrimmage. But still, I go back to the to the inside. I'm I'm not sure they did enough on the interior to stop the, the running backs from eating them up or, or gashing them. Uh, the linebackers are kind of thin, uh, but outside the, the 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 front seven, they have so much talent that maybe they'll figure it out. Maybe they'll groom some guys. Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, they were kind of the second wave of of the free agency acquisitions. Not household names, but young talented fit the scheme maybe now brandon state is going to show what he could do as a coach and get them ready so uh, obviously the on roster the roster on paper looks much better than a year ago and they can make it work but i still have some concerns about that uh, uh russian defense great stuff gilbert just one more question then of course we'll go to the rams Chargers schedule and projection 13th hardest overall schedule per projected vegas win totals chargers in the toughest division in football we're talking afc west Denver with Russell Wilson, Chiefs, of course, Raiders are tough. Win total is 10 on DraftKings. That's juice to the over. Team has everything it needs to make a deep run, especially if this defense improves. So talk about the schedule and your thoughts here on how the Chargers are going to do. Yeah, it's basically a, one of the toughest schedules for being in the division. Being in the AFC West got so much better. And uh, you asked me or, or you mentioned earlier to start the show, Mike, that uh, the Chargers are on the rise. And people always say that, you know, they're on the rise because they have a great roster and, and, but it, they're, they're, they're missing something. And finally this year, you know, they took that seriously and they went all in with Khalil Mack, JC Jackson. But, you know, on the flip side, the other teams went all in and they want to be on the rise too, you know, with the Raiders getting Devontae Adams, uh, Russell Wilson with the Broncos. Uh, the Chiefs lost Tyreek Hill, but they're still going to be a very talented team with, with Patrick Mahomes and still having the same coaching staff and Andy Reid. So, uh, it's going to be a, a dogfight. It's going to be a battle. And, and keep in mind, they're also facing the NFC West. That's another tough division there. Uh, 49ers, Rams, uh, Seahawks, and, and and the Cardinals. So it's not going to be easy. I know people are just kind of penciling in the Chargers to be a Super Bowl contender. But that, that roster, I mean, sorry, that schedule is going to be tough. Uh, but, you know, they have the talent. They have Kalua Mack, Jason Jackson, Calvin Inouye, Derwin James, Joey Bosa, Austin Eckler. I could keep going on, Mike, with the roster. So uh, they got to figure that out because they start uh, with the Raiders. Uh, and then they go to the Chiefs on Thursday Night Football. So, you know, if you win, you go 2-0, and then uh, you might be in for a good year for them. Yeah, a point out here that their post-buy schedule is, is really challenging. They have a bye in Week 8. Yes, they go to at Atlanta. But from that point, listen to this. At San Fran, home KC, at Arizona, at the Raiders, home Miami, home Tennessee, at the Colts, who will be very good, at the Rams, of course, or home against the Rams, big big battle there. And then at Denver, January in the snow. So you're right, not easy at all. Let's take a look at the Rams now, the team that you're with, that you're covering now. Super Bowl champs, magical season, Matthew Stafford, more of the same. We laugh here, Gilbert, because the Rams sort of with the salary cap, we're on the East Coast. We say, what are they doing with the salary cap? They're going all in. But I would think it's easy to go all in when you get the result that you wanted. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, that's the biggest thing for this team. And well, actually, two things. You know, they make the cap work, and they know how to draft. So, uh, when when you're winning, people want to come. Uh, Allen Robinson was a big acquisition for the Rams. You know, that was the first kind of like, how do they pay Allen Robinson? And then they go and pay Cooper Cup. They go pay Aaron Donald. Oh, they give uh, Matthew Stafford a new contract. I don't know how they do it. I got to figure that out. That's my first thing on the beat. Figure out how they kind of de deal with all the cap thing. 
Uh, but they're loaded. You know, yeah, they don't have, you know, Robert Woods or Odo Beckham, and maybe they have some issues at running back. We'll get into it. Uh, but when you have Cooper Cup uh, and, and the chemistry he showed with, with, with Matthew Stafford uh, and then adding Allen Robinson, uh, you know it's going to be another big year for them. Yeah, I think the big question for us is going to be at running back. So let's take a look. Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson. That is sort of my lead question on how this is going to go. Akers had the injury. He comes back. I guess he wasn't as efficient as people wanted here, Gilbert, but he did power through. He was a part of the run here. He ended up in the playoffs. He did not get a touchdown, but he was able to get some runs out there. Had an 81% snap share against Tampa Bay. Do they still want it to be Cam Akers? Because it just seems like Henderson is not viewed as a guy who can take over the backfield. He's athletic, he's explosive, but it, it seems to us in the fantasy community that it's Cam Akers' backfield. Is that true? What do you think? Yeah, definitely. I, th I think they're, they're going to try to pick up where he left off before training camp last year because all, all the hype and all the tension was on Cam Akers. They, they saw what he did as a rookie. They love what he did in college at Florida State. So, you know, it was trending for him to have a big breakout year. Uh, and then from the outside looking in at the time when the news broke about Cam Akers, this team was devastated, it seemed like. Uh, and then they were hurting the whole year. And it, it was kind of a, you know, a, I don't know if I should call it a miracle, but it was crazy to, to see a guy who popped his Achilles in July come back for a playoff run. Uh, and I was at that first game uh, against the Cardinals. I was amazed about what he was doing. He was playing great in that, in that you know, wild card victory, come, you know, first game back. But then he was absent after that in Tampa Bay. Uh, the San Francisco game, the Super Bowl, there wasn't much of a running game. Uh, but on the flip side, Daryl Henderson hasn't shown much. He, he got his try too when he was drafted. Uh, you know, a notable player from college, and, and but he's been hurt. Uh, and then the, the opportunities that he's gotten, he hasn't been efficient, hasn't made it work. Uh, so when you're two guys, that, you know, dealing with injuries, uh, that could be an issue. But I don't want to call Cam Akers injury prone. It was a one year thing. Uh, he came back quickly, so. Maybe, you know, it was asking a lot to find the rhythm. Maybe he, he maybe got it first because that first game because kind of the, the the nerves and he was like, okay, let me just play without thinking. And then it kind of got to him. Uh, but we'll see. You know, I'll get to ask him during the season. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. But I think it is Cam Akers' show. He did draft a running back from Notre Dame, uh, but he, he he broke his foot. But from what I'm hearing from my, from my early research, he should be back for training camp. So, uh, they have a, a committee there in case Cam Akers can't get it done, but I think they, the Rams are confident he will. Yeah, definitely. And that was the thing. Daryl Henderson, if you look at his game log, when you go through it, he did have a couple big games. He had the two touchdowns against the Giants, two touchdowns against Houston. But again, Sony Michelle was sort of lurking. And so I agree. I think if Cam Akers is ready to go, he's going to have every opportunity for this job. Let's look at the receivers. Cooper Cup, magical year. Just dominant year. The connection was there. You mentioned it. Now, Robert Woods gone. This is an offense that has always been able to support at least two realistic receiving options. Now they bring in Allen Robinson. And Gilbert, you know in the fantasy community, we love Allen Robinson. We've been waiting for Allen Robinson to get with a quarterback of Matthew Stafford's pedigree, and he's finally here. Van Jefferson, of course, had some moments he can pop as a deep threat. Uh, you have Tyler Higby here for the tight end. Talk about how you see the volume. Obviously, it's Cooper Cup first and fo foremost, but do you think Allen Robinson can take the step that we've all been waiting ever since he was with Blake Bortles back in Jacksonville? Yeah, I'll start with uh, Allen Robinson then because he kind of reminds me, you know, going through what happened with Mike Williams. You know, he, he was showing a lot of flashes, dynamic player in the, for in the fourth quarter. Uh, but he never put it together. And, and you know, but the thing with Mike Williams, he he had quarterbacks, you know. Uh, you know, Adam Robinson did not have the quarterbacks, you know, with, with the Bears, uh, the Jaguars. But he was always productive. when and, and it wasn't, I know for fans of people and me, you know, playing, you, you're not happy when you see, like, maybe 10 points. And it's like, okay, it's like, you know, 100 receiving yards and no touchdowns. But it's okay. It's fine. And then you look at the end of the year, he's, like, top 10 in every, every category. I'm like, what? I don't. I didn't, I didn't sense that. I didn't feel it. Gilbert, uh, that's I, called the Frank Gore, Carl. Right? <laughs> Frank Gore did every year. Yes. Just be consistent and nobody cares unless you're playing fantasy football. Uh, but for, for Allen Robinson, I, I think, you know, you might see you, – you start feeling it now when you put him in your roster because he's playing with Sean McVay in, in his offense and, and Matthew Stafford. Uh and you saw what happened with Cooper Cup. You know, he he was always a, a good a good wide receiver, but now he was great. You know, he was a, a stud, uh, even had consideration for MVP. So uh, this shows you that Stafford in the system work. So I think that's why Mayor Robinson wanted, wanted to go to, to the Rams. He He's tired of being an afterthought, maybe. So uh, definitely, I think it should be a big year for him. 
but the biggest thing is chemistry. Uh, you saw how much Coop, uh, Cooper Cup, you know, earned the trust of Matthew Stafford. And when it came down to crush time, he was going to him. I'm still amazed uh, to kind of transition into Cooper Cup. I'm still amazed in that that uh, Super Bowl. The, the last five minutes, uh, Odell Beckham wasn't on the field. No Robert Woods. Nobody was on the field. Uh, and the Bengals couldn't stop Cooper Cup. So that shows the chemistry uh, that Stafford had with uh, with with each other. So hopefully for, for Adam Robinson, he could kind of figure that out. And, and they could spread the ball around. Uh, but we'll see. And I'm, I'm not worried about Cooper Cup. I don't think anybody is definitely uh, going to be dynamic, especially in PPR format. So uh, I won't spend too much time on him. The the tricky part is number three. Uh, Van Jefferson, you know, didn't show too much. You know, the job is kind of his to be number three. Uh, they, they drafted two to Atwell. I think he dealt with some injuries. Hopefully I'm not mistaken there. Uh, but those two guys are going to battle. But as you know, you know, when Sean McVay wants it to be clicking, it, it, it's uh, a lot of people are involved and we've seen Matthew Stafford do it. Uh, as for tight end, yeah, Tyler Higby uh, is a guy, but there's some guys there, some young guys, you know, from, you know, hearing from, from my former colleague who, who, or my colleague who formerly covered the uh, the Rams, Kevin Modesto, yeah, he told me there's some young guys coming up. So they like Kendall Blanton. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah, they like one. Kendall Blanton. Very athletic guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, so it's kind of like the Chargers, a lot of mouth to feed. Uh, and I don't know how, how the tight end role is with the Rams just yet. Uh, but as, as we know, Mike, you can't get picky with the tight ends. And if somebody's getting the snaps and starting, you got to go with them. Yeah, I remember. There's a great call about the Super Bowl. I remember that pass from Stafford to Cup. We put it on social media. He's not even looking. He wasn't even lo I mean, you know, it goes back to Joe Montana, who before he made the drive against the Bengals, he says, is that John Candy? Now we got Matthew Stafford not even looking at his receiver in the Super Bowl game-winning drive. That's chemistry. He certainly does get open. Uh, let's look at the defense here. It's sort of another, you know, with all the offensive firepower, this gets lost in the shuffle, but the Rams' defense is elite. Prior year, before last year, they were fourth. Last year, they were fifth. Sixth best in DVOA against the pass per football outsiders. Fifth best best against the, the rush. No reason to think, Gilbert, this defense is going to slow down, is it? No, they still got the same coordinator, Raheem Morris. They still got the studs, uh, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. And guess what? They added Bobby Wagner, who I think is still playing really well. So uh, I don't see them, you know, you know, taking a step back. Uh, but you never know in football. Things change rapidly in a year, but definitely – when you have Aaron Donald up top, you know, you'll be fine. But the biggest issue is replacing Von Miller, uh, who's going to be the second edge rusher next to uh, Leonard Floyd. Uh, so there could be some some questions there, you know, maybe some linebacker issues. But uh, definitely you got you got to find somebody to help out on on the edge. Uh, I think Justin Hollins could be a guy or, or, or Terrell. Hopefully I'm going to forget his last name, but I have my notes here, Mike. I don't want to get it wrong. Uh, but what do we have here? Terrell Lewis. Yeah, there you go. I remember an easy name to yep. remember. Uh, so those guys are in, in contention, but it looks like it might be Justin Holland's uh, job for right now. Uh, but you get the production there. Uh, you know, they have some safeties or they're very talented who dealt with injuries last year uh, in the playoffs. That's why Eric Widow came back. Uh, so they're healthy. Uh, there's no reason why this defense can't be number one again. Yeah. One more question, then we'll get you out of here. Gilbert's been amazing stuff. Let's look at the Rams schedule. Now we do again the Vegas opposing win totals. The hardest schedule using that metric from Warren Sharp is the Chiefs. The second hardest is the Rams. And when we look at their schedule and who they're playing this year, no joke. Rams are starting right off the bat. Buffalo will be a great game. Little break with Atlanta, but then at Arizona, at San Francisco, Dallas. They have Carolina before their bye week. And then, folks, listen to this second half schedule after the bye week. San Francisco, at Tampa, Arizona, at the Saints, at the Chiefs. Seattle Raiders at Green Bay in December never going to be easy. Then from one cold weather to another, they go to they host Denver, uh, not cold weather, but home of course. Good team Russell Wilson at the Chargers at Seattle. Two tough games to end the year. So talk to me here about the schedule. Listen, you win the Super Bowl, Gilbert. You're going to have a tough schedule, but this Rams team looks like they're ready to handle it. Yeah, a little similar to the Chargers that you know they're playing the NFC West, AFC West, but but the Rams have the first place schedule. They have they're the Super Bowl champion, so it's a, it's harder. Uh, the only good thing for this schedule that I saw was the, the first four games. They're not really leaving the L.A. area, kind of. You know, they're going to Arizona, but it's close. Uh, San Francisco, uh, the, the two first road games, and then Atlanta and Buffalo at home. So if they win, they kind of they like the comfort and they win maybe three, three out of four. That, that's fine. But, yeah, it's, it, it's a juggernaut after that. Uh, even for me, looking at the schedule, it's going to feel hard because, you know, I, I've never been, been to Green Bay, but I hear it's kind of a struggle to get there, uh, flat of Chicago or, or, or 
Milwaukee and then do the drive. So it's going to be hard for me too. So uh, and remember, Bay, remember Gilbert, Tom Coughlin with the Giants face in those in the <laughs> Green Bay call. It could be totally red. <laughs> That's going to be me. I know I'm a little darker, uh, but you're going to see it because I grew up in LA, you know, you know, be, being Mexican, we, we were used to the warm weather, but I'll figure it out. I'm, I'm worried about it. I got some time in KC in December, so maybe I'll be used to it. I, I'm just worried about the drive. But yeah, it's a tough schedule. I am looking forward to New Orleans. Uh, we'll see how New Orleans does. Uh, but overall, it, it's going to be a juggernaut. But I guess when you're a defending champion, it should be that way. Yeah, and they're over under number 10 and a half. So again, reasonable. We're looking at parity here, but the Rams certainly are loaded. Folks, Gilbert Manzano, Yeoman's Work, two different teams on Twitter at GManzano24, covering the Rams. NFL does a bunch of stuff, OC Register and LA Daily News. Folks, thank you so much. Gilbert, thank you. Two great teams here. We're whipping through. And, of course, the Chargers and Rams are major teams in the fantasy football community. So we appreciate you coming on for a few minutes. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate the time. And thank you for letting me, you know, do kind of the double duty here. Chargers, Rams, and and hopefully you guys follow my work at GMontown24. And check out the podcast, Combos on the Beat. Subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, all that, please. 100%. You got it. Thank you, Mike.